0: This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening, and welcome to the GPL podcast. This is number 108, getting up there on these podcasts. Well, it was an, a spectacular week for the Gophers, and it was also a spectacular week for the Badgers. And joining us this week, a little Badger perspective. We got Todd Molesky from the Wisconsin State Journal. Todd, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, uh, some of us have known you for quite a while, either through the Wisconsin State Journal or through USCHO. I know you still do some things for USCHO, don't you?
1: Yeah, I've uh, I gave up the day to day editing when I uh, joined the State Journal uh, back covering uh, hockey in August, mm-hmm. and so I, I do a lot of kind of the behind the scenes stuff now, you know, planning and. Uh, uh, being kind of the uh, the <laughs> in between between our publisher and our 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 staff, so um, yeah' so I, so I, kind of I like Bruelly, want then. to be involved with them
0: Bruley oh. very behind the scenes now too yes, he is
1: uh, sometimes he ghost uh, writes <laughs> sometimes yes uh, and and well, we appreciate it, but um it uh, you know he he knows his his best role is probably behind the scenes too. I think he would he would admit to that as well.
0: <laughs> well, we had him on the podcast quite a few years ago and tried to unveil who's behind the scenes at u s c h o and <laughs> Yes, there is somebody behind there, and they're from all different backgrounds and you know, very much so you know they're just kind of like us, they just have a love for college hockey, so
1: yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing that really connects all of us is that, you know, we wouldn't do the – what we do wouldn't take mm-hmm. all the time to do it if we didn't love college hockey. And I, I know that's what you guys are doing here too. So it's awesome being a part of this.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us. Um, well, we're going to get to some Badger stuff in a second here. But obviously, you know, both teams had pretty good weekends this past weekend. Let's start off with you, Viggs. Um go Gophers. You know, we've got a 6-3 victory Friday night and a 4-3 come-from-behind thriller Saturday night. Your initial
2: thoughts? Well, I think the one thing that defines this Gopher team from previous years is they can score. You know, they can dig themselves holes, they can get behind late, and they find a way to get scoring. You know, they've got seven different guys, uh, double-digit goals. Um, They've got, I think, five guys with hat tricks this season. Um, It's pretty spectacular to see them put the puck in the net because I don't think we've seen that for a long time. And right now, if you like offense, Big Ten is your conference.
0: It definitely is. Hammy, one of the things they were talking about on the radio this past weekend on the broadcast was this team's resiliency. And that's something we didn't see in past years. You know, this team gets behind by a couple goals and it's over. But that's just not the case this year. And we saw that up to the last second on, uh, on Saturday night.
3: Well, I think some of it has to do with, of course the leadership, but I also think that some of it relies on the fact that, I mean, I said this on Twitter, but this might be the best shooting gopher team that I can remember in a long time. And when you feel like you have that kind of offensive firepower and you have guys on multiple lines that can score goals, I mean, you probably mentally never really feel like you're out of it. I mean, even if, you know, you're down a couple goals and it's relatively late in the game, you you know, you know that you can score in bunches. And these guys, I mean, if you saw some of those goals, of course, this last weekend or throughout the year, I mean, they're really picking corners and you're seeing some real power behind those, you know, some snapshots. And uh, I mean, it's very impressive. I mean, Clues picking corners, uh, Pitlick, the way he scores. I mean, it's just, it's impressive. And so I think that mentally those guys probably never feel like they're you know, they always have that puncher's chance or never feel like they're really out of a game until it's all over. So um, I think that that plays a lot into it as well.
0: Well, one of the big things, Hammy, is this week is that, you know, after a kind of a quiet period, uh, Pitlick has really picked up his game and obviously had a you know, the hat trick Friday night, had the big overtime goal Saturday night. Um, uh, what is he doing? Is he just kind of not a freshman anymore, more of a sophomore?
3: Uh, well, I mean, from what I've seen, I think it's a lot of it. just he's being more aggressive. I mean, I think that um, he's just more noticeable on a game-to-game basis than he was, you know, for a little stretch of time. And I, I know that we were all early in the season talking about, you know, we know he's got a great shot. Then they used to stop deferring at times to, you know, maybe some of the upperclassmen. Maybe that, that message finally got through to him to, you know, try to be more aggressive with the puck, shoot the puck more um and good things will happen and i think that we've kind of s- started to see that more and more and i'm really excited about his future as a player because he's not really one of those even though he's drafted he's not one of those prototypical um guys that you expect to you know get signed after a, a year or two you know he's a guy that probably has you know a good 3 year career at least in him and and so i think that that's something that's very exciting from a gopher perspective because i think he's going to be a- an offensive powerhouse the way he's going
0: well, it was definitely an exciting weekend, Viggs. I mean, obviously, we were kind of thinking come away with a, a split would be ideal uh, to sweep Penn State, and now Penn State's in fourth place. And the way they did it, you know, it was pretty convincing for, uh, Saturday night, or Friday night, I should say. But Saturday night, uh, Gophers didn't do a thing until the third period, and then all hell broke loose. I mean, we get back into the game. We tie the game. Uh, a shootout goal against us with just over a minute left and then clues with just over three seconds left. Um, that was a crazy game.
2: Yeah, it definitely was a crazy game, you know, to see Minnesota kind of make a couple of mistakes and a couple of turnovers like that and, and not probably play their best and still have a chance at the end of the game and overcome the penalty shot goal that uh, Smirnoff was able to convert. Uh, was pretty spectacular um, you talk about them on that last face faceoff play that uh, Don Lucia grew, drew up, and it just worked out perfect for them. Clues came off the wall, you know, had two seconds to probably get a puck on that, and he he picked the corner. That was a great screen by Laterry. Uh, Lucia talked about it in the availability today about how he, they drew it up. Um, you know, it was just what they wanted to have happen. The other option they had, they had Bristet for a one timer. You know, if Clues didn't have a lane to shoot, that was the next thing to look for. And this is just a veteran group. I mean, this is what happens when you've got guys who've, you know, worked on their game in college for a couple of years. And it was funny. We were talking about who's the best shooter on the team. And uh, they were, you know, listing off, you know, Cluse has got a pretty good shot. Rem's got the great release. Um, She, he's been great with his accuracy. Uh, Vinny and Leon have really worked on their one-timers. Bischoff has put in a ton of work this season. So you're seeing these veteran guys who are all able to shoot the puck.
0: Well, it was definitely a great weekend for the Gophers, but on the flip side, our our our, our hated Badgers also had a great weekend against uh lowly Michigan. Todd and uh, what did we had five two and six four victories. Uh, kind of interesting games, especially Saturday with the back and forth.
1: Yeah, first off, isn't that crazy, lowly Michigan? I, I was <laughs> I, last week when I was going through sad. the the Badgers remaining schedule, you know, it's, it was Michigan, uh, then obviously Minnesota at Penn state and back home against Ohio state. And Michigan is the one that stands out as the only team that's unranked. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that just blew my mind. Is like, where, where has this gotten now that we're, we're talking about uh, Michigan being the the one team that uh, you're, you're thinking you have to beat because that's the, the quote unquote easy one. But yeah, uh, you know, there was never really a period of time last weekend where I thought the Badgers were dominant mm-hmm. or really mm-hmm. in control of things. But, you know, kind of like what you guys were saying with the Gophers, you know, they never take themselves out of the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though they haven't, you know, they've gotten behind quite a few times, um, I think of a game uh, really early in the season against BC. They were down uh, three or four goals, um, came back, that cut that to one eventually, and lost with, two by two with an empty netter. At Denver, they were down by three in the third and made it a one-goal game uh, and lost that one too. So they don't always win them, but they, they don't get themselves to a point where they're completely defeated. And I think that's one of the big differences between this year's team and and the, the teams ahead. Uh, the last couple of seasons, where you know they would get down a couple of goals, and it was like, okay, you know, turn out the lights, we're done here. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing with the Gophers. <laughs> yeah, and, and so you can see a, a few similarities there between the teams. I think you know the talent level, probably you know, top to bottom, I think is is better here than it was in past years. It's it probably still doesn't you know match up you know four lines deep to where, uh, it, it, at least from an outsider's perspective, it looks like the way that Minnesota has it. But, um, you know, <laughs> it, it's definitely a, a better uh, product to sell uh, that the Badgers have here that they're trying to sell to the, to the fans here. So um, I know that's appreciated by a lot of people here. Well, it's definitely changed
0: things in, in Badgerland. Obviously, the coaching change has just kind of reinvigorated the whole program um, and let me tell you the style of hockey is a lot more fun to watch compared to what it used to be i mean that 's good for all college fans to to not see that lame boring shut down defense style to actually see some up and down hockey from the Badgers is very refreshing
1: yeah, and you know to be honest they they have to match um you know the players that they have with their mm-hmm. style right yeah. so the last couple of years they didn't have a team that could do this. Now you could say, well, this is these are all the same players that they had last year. I mean, and, and some of that's true, but you introduce Trent Frederick as your your top-line center, it makes the depth, I mean, just putting him in down, down the middle it changes the depth so much on this team. Uh, then you got him, Max Zimmer, uh, who's been playing good minutes at forward. Uh, and, and lately the big thing has been Frederick playing with Luke Cunnan, uh, they've just been have really just worked together really well on the top line. Uh, you, you know, the, they've got they kind of had a revolving door on the left side of that line for a while, um, but it, it when when this team gets going and gets playing the way they want to, yeah, they're still going to have some defensive questions, but they're going to score, which is yeah. Getting back to that that style issue is. You know, <laughs> such a change here, and I think people are, are are responding to that, yeah.
0: Well, they're definitely responding to it. I mean, we've been watching the Badger program and talked about them for the last five years on this podcast, how, you know, attendance and season tickets numbers have, you know, they went down from yeah. around 15,000 to under 10, and, and it seems like, you know, the crowd had just kind of had enough of it. And and and, then, and now you've got the new coaching staff in there, and now it's rebounding
1: very well. Yeah, and you know one of the things that I've noticed about Tony Granado is that he connects with people on on basically any level he can. Um, and you know, beyond the on ice play, he's so approachable and 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 does his best to make himself. Um, you know, seem like a man of the people here, um, and and I I, I don't want to say that Mike Eves wasn't that way because he did he did he was really involved in the community here. He mm-hmm. did a lot of great things, uh, especially with with the Children's Hospital here. He was he was involved in those kind of things, but you didn't see that an awful lot. And and I I I don't know if if maybe it's just an easier story to do. I mean, we've seen he Tony Grano was on. There was a feature between periods on NBC over the weekend as part of their Hockey Day in America, whatever they called it, uh, uh, thing on Sunday. He's been kind of all over. He's in the New York Times. uh, You know, there's stories on him. And it it just, you know, it it brings it back to people here where I think hockey had lost um, some importance here, obviously, as the basketball Mm -hmm. team has gotten better the football team's obviously the biggest thing during the fall but um you know basketball used to be you know kind of on the same success level as hockey and obviously that that uh split apart the last couple years where basketball was really good and hockey was was not so hockey kind of got forgotten for a while and it's starting to um to, to get its place back again
0: well, before I ask you this question, I thought I'd throw this out at, at the Hammy and Viggs. Uh Guys, um, did you see this turnaround from Wisconsin happening this fast? I mean, I know you guys both talked about how this is great for this program and they'll probably turn it around, but did you see them contending for a Big
2: Ten title this quickly, Viggs? You know, I didn't. I think Frederick has really added a dimension to their lineup that's made impacts all the way through their lines. You know, when you have centermen that are that talented, it's such an important part of your lineup. If you don't have centers, it's hard to compete. You know, I think that's why Minnesota is so competitive this year is because they've got good, strong play down the middle. You know, it makes such a big difference for your team to be able to break out quickly, you know, be able to nullify uh, odd man attacks coming the other way. And I think that's been the big surprise for me.
0: Hammy, you know, we've talked about the Badgers coming back, obviously being good for this conference. Um, I know you agree with that, but also it's not good that Michigan has decided to tank at the same time. Um, This could be a really great conference if all three teams were at the top of their game. And right now, Michigan is kind of the one being left out as Wisconsin comes back in.
3: Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not like – I mean, we have to remember it is a six-team conference. And so I don't know that you can – Uh, you know, barring uh, Michigan State, I don't know that I would say any team would surprise me contending because it's not like you have a, I mean, it's not like the WCHA or the old WCHA where there was, you know, a lot more teams that were going to be nationally ranked and, but there was also the have-nots. I mean, you're never really out of it, I don't think, in the Big Ten and unless you completely tank it early. So I don't, I'm not as surprised maybe um, with Wisconsin. Uh, As far as Michigan goes, I mean, it kind of piggybacks on what I just said. You're going to always have a couple – not every team is going to be great in a conference, so you're going to have your have-nots at one time or another, and, um, you know, Wisconsin was surprisingly that for a few years, and um, I think we kind of knew going into the changes in the conferences that uh, there was going to be – you know, I think we all thought that Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan would almost most years be the contending – NCAA, you know, contending type of teams. And the other ones were kind of a little bit of a wild card. And, you know, we unfortunately early on, well, I guess you could say fortunately if you're a Gopher fan, but I mean, um, (laughs) you know, Wisconsin sucked. I mean, they were pretty much sucked for a while. And, and, um, and I, you know, I guess now we're seeing a little bit of Michigan getting kind of bit by the early departure bug. I think there's no doubt about that's more than anything what's hurt them. And I'm just kind of surprised that maybe it's Berenson being a little bit stubborn, but I think that um, we saw the Gophers kind of adjust their recruiting style to a certain extent and kind of look for more of those three to four year guys and not necessarily always pursue those first, second round types of NHL prospects that you know are going to bolt after maybe a couple of years and kind of leave you in that cycle of always trying to replace guys. And um, so I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Michigan. Hopefully they're going to adjust. I don't know what, Baronson's future is going to be but i think we're all kind of thinking that that's coming to a close here pretty soon and whoever takes his place i would imagine would probably reinvigorate their program much like granado has with wisconsin
0: todd do you think uh well i should ask are you surprised that the turnaround has happened this
4: quickly
1: i mean i guess i am a little bit i i kind of went into it thinking you know this was going to be a transition year they're going to get guys playing you know the way they want them to play but i I just didn't know how, how that would translate into you know actually playing on the ice uh what you know what they'd be able to do that way um i i felt like there was some talent there that that could just use a you know reinvigoration. You know a a fresh look. At, you know a, a new guy saying, "Hey, you know, show us what you got." Um, but I I didn't really expect them to be in a conversation. You know, you, you know, they're they're in this you know uh, large group of kind of off, kind of on the bubble teams for at large for in the pairwise. Um, I didn't expect that right away this year um and you know that that can obviously change in the next couple weeks who knows if you know by this you know second third week in march we've been talking about them being on the bubble They could be (laughs) off of it completely but um Well, well you know what i i think you know
0: even if they don't make the tournament this year they have definitely shown a great turnaround that
1: the conference needs oh i would agree yeah i i think you know It's been said, you guys said it, the conference needs Wisconsin to be good, needs Minnesota to be good, Michigan to be good. Um, Just from, you know, the PR hit that they that the league gets when one of those teams isn't because everyone points at it and says, you know, what's wrong with your league? You've got, you know, these teams that should have the great that have the greatest resources. They should always be good. I mean, we know that's not the case in college hockey these days. Not everyone does not have, you know, or the best teams do not have 20 straight good seasons anymore. Um, <laughs> there's going to be a couple of clunkers you, you throw in there, but it, it, it's just, it's fodder for the the haters. If you want to put it that way to anytime, any one of those is, uh, is not up to bar. No. Yeah. I
2: think see North Dakota struggle as much as they are right now. They're on the bubble. Yeah. When you hear UMD talk about their season and how they haven't won a conference title in, I think, almost 20 years. Yeah,
0: I think it was 1993.
2: Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> it just shows you how hard it is to be successful in college hockey. There's so much parity.
0: And right now the Badgers are the only thing in the way from Minnesota winning their sixth straight title. You know, Two in the WCHA and four in the Big Ten. So uh,
1: you better hope your Badgers can do it or it's going to be another year for the Gophers. Well, and you know, I've, the, the <laughs> regular season championship is, you know, in theory should be the hardest one to win, right? Because it's the longest, Yeah, you have to be good for longer than for the, in the other ones, you know, in the postseason, it's well, now in the big 10, it's two days or three days, but it used to be a couple of weeks and, um, you know, the NCAs you have to win four games <laughs> once you're in, um. But I think people and this is this is something that's really annoyed me in the last couple of years and talking about how you know Minnesota's fallen off. And you know, maybe that's the case a couple of those years, but you don't win five straight regular season championships as a mediocre team. I you know, it 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 really it boggled my mind. I, I can understand when you're used to a certain level of of national prominence, you know, not hitting that mark I can understand that but appreciate what the, the significance is of, of a regular season championship I think is all that I you know now well after the fact uh, would uh, uh, would suggest in that conversation
0: well Viggs you know we talk about Minnesota possibly winning a sixth straight you know regular season title but uh, when's the last time they won a, a playoff title was it 2007
2: it's it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I just think it's kind of a different conversation to win those conference titles. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, Klus might have won one early in his career. But it, it comes down to the fact I don't, I don't where Minnesota so. hasn't had to win
0: yeah.
2: a conference title before. You know, Last year was one of the first times they've had to win one to get in. So I think that kind of plays into it as well a little bit.
1: The uh, A little site called USCHO has uh, the, <laughs> before the 15 Big Ten double, uh, it was, yes, 2007 was the last WCHA playoff title.
0: Ouch. Because I think
1: after that, they, they barely won a
0: game. I mean, well, maybe, I can't quite, I, mean, I think we had the, the Kangas year in Mankato and they might have gotten to the title game, but. Um, there was a time when you know, especially at the end of the WCHA for Minnesota, that uh, they couldn't even win a game at the Final Five. So, yeah. and it's it hasn't been that easy with the Big Ten either. I mean, they, they lost to Michigan last year. They've been they've Ooh. been booted by uh, Ohio State. Um, it just never seems to quite come together for them. Maybe it will this year.
2: Who knows? We'll have to see. <laughs> okay. Guys, I did visit that little site called USCHO. <laughs> yeah. 15 is that last league tournament. They, right. So they oh, do have they, they do have one. They oh that that's right, they did. They won at the
0: Joe, didn't they? Yep. All
2: right. In front was, of all those in hundreds, front of three people. That's probably why we have, <laughs> we have a hard time remembering.
1: I believe all pictures of that in the video were uh, <laughs> uh possessed or uh, reclaimed by the Big Ten to avoid any uh any bad uh uh, uh, crowd shots oh, from getting boy.
0: that it has just gone, it has gotten bad very fast, and uh, and like all fans, we like to blame Barry Switzer. Not Barry Switzer, Alvarez. Alvarez. Why am I thinking Barry Switzer? Well, thinking Barry Barry Switzer. Switzer. God, oh, dude, geez. are you high tonight? Or I right know. did I, I? have no idea where that came from. Yeah, what is the story with that? You're the Wisconsin guy. Tell us that. Barry is the reason for all of this.
1: <laughs> well, I mean oh, let's let's go back a little a little bit farther than that. <laughs> Wisconsin and the WCHA did not always have the most friendly of relationships. I I, I, I don't know what it was like at Minnesota. But just in terms of between the Wisconsin Athletic Department and the WCHA administration, Bruce McLeod, you know, on down. They, they didn't really operate on the same wavelength. Uh, you know, the WCHJ back before, you know, when Bruce McLeod ran it, it was kind of, I th- I don't think I'm, you know, speaking out of turn here or saying anything that's, you know, uh, a secret, kind of run in the way that college hockey has been had been run for 30, 40 years, right? You know, it was uh, guys that knew each other and, you know, ran things... Kind of informally, shall we say, um, and that didn't really fly with the way that Wisconsin thought that college hockey, which is you know, a f- for them, a moneymaker, or at least it was mm-hmm. <laughs> until the last year or so, um, should be run. It it you know it's a business. It's it's you know just like the football team here. You know there it's in a college. Uh, rapper but it's a business I mean they, they have to look at it that way and and so th- th- from from that perspective they never really got I don't want to say got along but they never saw things the same way mm-hmm. and so w- when there was an opportunity uh, you know with Penn State coming on board yeah it was you know it was it, it wasn't really much of a discussion that they were going to push for a big 10 league because you know it was a move toward a more i guess a, a, a league that would be more along the lines of how they like to run things yeah. um yeah i see and that. I, I think that's kind of the way the big 10 is run now maybe it's and and maybe that's why in some ways it doesn't fit in with a lot of the way college hockey works because the Big Ten tries to do things in some situations the way it does for a lot of other sports, you know, if it, trying to make tournaments f- that, uh, the, for example, the, the tournament uh, be run like the basketball tournament, um, you know, when, or be marketed that way. Maybe that doesn't really work for college hockey. Um, no, so it doesn't. That, that, that's that's where you get to the, the way things are right now.
0: And, you know, they, they tried to become a, you know, a final five and try to have that atmosphere. And we yeah.
1: sort of had it that first
0: year at the, at the X, but, you know, I really died the next year at the Joe. Um, last year was pretty much a joke. Um, yes, it was. This year, uh, with both Michigan teams being terrible. Uh, it could be a, a complete disaster when it comes to crowd wise, and yeah, the
1: Friday and if if the Friday <laughs> and Saturday if if the Michigan teams are gone, that's going to oh, yeah. be um, <laughs> I think disaster is probably the right word. I can't come up with anything better right there because um yeah, it, and even when Michigan and Michigan State were playing there two years ago, I don't remember the crowds being very big at all. I wasn't there, but I mean, I remember no. seeing on tv and you know getting the the pictures on twitter but um it's yeah it it's it's it, they they made the right decision and pulling the plug on that i
0: i would agree <laughs> nate wells mr gopher state he's just not gonna let me let it go now i want to believe you have been blaming oklahoma and dallas all these years for ruining the big 10 <laughs> yes it was barry switzer <laughs> We're yeah. gonna blame barry switzer for this whole thing Uh, He's never going to let me live this down. Are you, Nate? Thanks, Nate. Appreciate you listening. Hi, Nate. Well, before we move on to the series coming up this weekend, let's listen to our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL Podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey. From the pros to the minors, the collegiate teams, to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. Well, at the beginning of the season, boys, uh, I think quite a few of us saw Ohio State up there, Minnesota, Uh, sorry, Todd, we didn't think the Badgers would be up there, but here we are a couple weeks left in the season and your Badgers are only three points behind the Gophers. We're playing each other. Um, you get a split this weekend in Minnesota. Things could get interesting. Um, obviously if Minnesota sweeps, it's probably over, but, uh, it's been a long time since we've had, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin coming down to the end of the season, um, where this is a pretty darn important series.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think back to um, 2006 when, uh, you know, Wisconsin had, a I think, an 8-point lead, or what was it? A 4.8-point lead mm-hmm. in January in the WCHA, then Brian Elliott gets hurt, Badgers was four in a row, I think mi- two of them being the Minnesota, one was the, the Phil Kessel ear game, I think we'll all remember. <laughs> um and Wisconsin lost the next, or the first two to Denver, then two to Minnesota, and all of a sudden everyone was tied. It was a three-way tie. And I think I don't remember. Uh, I can't remember the last couple weeks of the season. You know, I, I don't think Wisconsin and Minnesota played at that point, but that might have been the last time they were, you know, this close to each other at this point in the season. I I, I can't remember. Another one off the top of my head. But, yeah, with the the schedule working out the way it does, putting these uh, teams together, obviously, you know, (laughs) they're going to be playing again at some point in the second half of the season here because of the way the schedule works out. But, yeah, it works out great to have a uh, kind of a a spotlight series.
0: Viggs, what are your initial thoughts on Bucky Badger coming into town this weekend?
2: Well, I think it's an important weekend for Minnesota to – you know, develop some in-zone offense again. Uh, they can get pretty reliant on the power play and scoring off the rush. I don't think that's going to happen against Wisconsin. I think their center play is too too good to, to get away with that. So I think they're going to have their hands full. Um, Wisconsin needs wins to, to stay in this thing for the pairwise, wise uh, Any postseason hopes, you know, they're kind of on the bubble, and they have a harder schedule than the Gophers do coming down the stretch. You know Minnesota plays Wisconsin, and then they're going to have the Michigan schools to finish the year, whereas Wisconsin's got Penn State and Ohio State still. So I think you're going to see a hungry Wisconsin team this weekend. You know I'm sure there's a lot of guys on that roster who remember giving up nine goals to the Gophers last year. <laughs> oh.
1: I can I can uh, confirm that they they <laughs> talked about that a lot last uh, last series uh, when there was played here.
0: I Amy, mean, what do you think? Badgers, it's about time this this series has uh, has something on the line.
3: Well, I mean, it'll be nice to, you know, kind of have that it be more of a rivalry again. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the year that you always want to beat your rivals, but when you're when they're down and you kick the hell out of them, it doesn't really have that same excitement, energy. You don't really feel like you've necessarily accomplished anything so to speak because they're just that bad and so it'll be nice that um, it's going to be a more competitive situation with more on the line Um, I I think the Gophers will probably be pretty successful this weekend I think they've always um, generally done very well against Wisconsin I mean we've seen the the all-time record but I mean even at home the Gophers have generally been very effective against Wisconsin granted every year is a different year but um, historically that's just been something that they we've seen lots of highlights we've seen the Danny Ehrman penalty shot we've seen the uh, Nate Schmidt you know great play at the blue line to score a goal to go ahead all those kinds of things The um, like Gophers always just seem to play really well against Wisconsin at home um, so I think that at a minimum I think they'll come out of this weekend um, with a lead in the conference still and like you said down the stretch they do have the advantage with a little bit of an easier schedule. So I think that they'll still be in good shape um, this weekend and after it's all finished.
0: And that's kind of the key. I think Uh, Todd, if if Minnesota does get a split, you know, a split or better, they're obviously in good shape. But like I said, Mm -hmm. if they just flat up split, you know, the Badgers are still close. They need that for their pair wise. And, you know, Badgers are playing some good teams to finish up. So they could still maybe be in this and maybe Minnesota's not so worried about it but uh
1: yeah i i think um i i you know no one will say this but i think wisconsin would be pretty happy with a split on the road at yeah. at Marucci. i mean because at worst you you want to be in that second position right because that gets you out of that thursday game in detroit mm-hmm. and if you're going in to uh that tournament needing to win it Two games is obviously your preferred way of doing it instead of having to play three. Yeah. Um, I mean, that being said, you know, I I went back and looked at it uh, this week. Um, it, Wisconsin, Minnesota always has felt like at Mariucci has always felt like to me because I've covered a lot of them. You know, not so many in the last few years, but back when I was writing for the Capital Times here in Madison, uh, I, I, I covered a lot of them and it felt like you know, well, here they go again. It's going to be, you know, Minnesota's going to sweep, battle him, and Wisconsin, you know, you know, trudges out of the <laughs> uh, the back door and, and has a long bus ride home. Just the way we like well, it. 94 <laughs> East. 94 yeah, right. East. <laughs> and, and, but in, I think since the 05-06 season, when Wisconsin's had a winning record going to play at Mariucci, they actually have a winning record in those games at Mariucci. Which really surprised me. I didn't think it was it was even close to that. I think it's like six, four, and four. No, it's a, it. I have it written down here somewhere, but I don't know where it is. How many of those
3: wins were during the Gophers slump? Probably. You know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand. I mean, when mm. they were struggling themselves, yeah, I would be willing to bet that's where some of the success came out of. I Just, I, 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 don't know,
1: but I, no, I haven't gone I, into I, I it that far, shocked. but. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with that either. But it, it, I guess my perspective on it was that, well, you know, maybe playing at Mariucci, you know, the because from when it opened, what, 93, right? Am I remembering that right? Yep. To about 2000. I mean, I don't know if they won more than once in that whole, that first seven or eight years there. Um, and so it just felt like it was, you know, that trip was... Bound to end in in the Gopher sweep, but I don't I don't know if it feels quite that way anymore. Historically, even you know when you look back at last year, a pretty bad Wisconsin team got out of there with a win. Yep, eh, they did. You know, it, uh, it, it had a pretty beaten down Wisconsin team at that point in the season too. Um, so who knows? I, I don't know if any of that even applies. You know, because like you're saying, you know, the Gophers are a better team. Uh, Wisconsin's a better team. So let's have them play and figure it out, right?
0: I agree. Well, we got quite a few Twitter questions for you guys here in a bit. So before we get to that, let's hear your uh, predictions for the weekend. Let's hear it, Hammy. What's going to happen?
3: Uh, I think the Gophers are going to win in a tie.
2: Win in a tie. Viggs. Yep. I think we're going to see a split this weekend. I think uh, Grant Bessie has been a little quiet this year. He's had some great games against Minnesota in his career. And I think he's going to be motivated to pull Wisconsin
1: on top of one of the games.
0: Okay, Todd, what's your prediction?
1: Thanks, Viggs, for leading me in. That's <laughs> my story for Friday. It's about Grant Bessie and the fact that he's scored, uh, I think, five goals in six games at Mariucci. But right now he hasn't scored in 12. He hasn't scored in 2017. So He almost uh, did. He almost did. Was, he, he could have scored three last Friday. Yep. He had one that uh, went off the crossbar, one that was uh, waved off, uh, yeah. and one that hit... Well, he hit, He missed an empty net, and then 10 seconds later, a centering pass went to him right in front of the net with probably kind of an open net, went off the defenseman's skate before it got to him and went in. So he could have had any one of those to yes. break his drought, but he didn't. But I'm going to say split, two, and I, I, I feel like that might be a stretch even. So... <laughs> i i i for a in, for the badgers perspective to to get a split they would be really happy with that At the way i see it but um would not be surprised if it ends up in a gopher sweep
0: i'm back on the bandwagon boys it's going to be a gopher sweep shocking i know <laughs> <laughs> well uh we do have quite a few twitter questions for all of you here um remember if you're listening live you can always tweet us and uh Send us a question. Just use the hashtag GPLpodcast. I usually send out a tweet early in the day and collect a few. And uh, uh, first, let's start out with a question just for you, Todd. Tim Hapke Ooh. says, I see Granato is attending classes. What is the story yes. behind that?
1: Well, the story is he left school in 1987 after his four years were up, and he didn't uh, finish his degree. And, you know, like many players do, they go on to the pros and they – just kind of uh, let that go for a while. He said he always intended on um, getting back to to finish up. You know, whether it was over a summer or anything like that. But you know, he went right into a pro career, or actually went right to the Olympics for that year. Then yep. to a pro career, uh, had one year after his playing career before he became uh, an assistant in the NHL and then head coach. And then it just, you know, between that and family, it just, it never happened. Uh, He he said for finishing his schooling, he was, I think 16, 15 or 16 credits short at the start of this year. And one of the deal, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I think like pretty much every school nowadays requires head coaches. And I think assistant coaches too to have a degree and, um, you know that was the deal that they worked out with the chancellor was you know if you if you can finish your degree within a year you can you know we'll we'll hire you and everything's uh uh working that direction so you know obviously there's a little bit of pressure on him to uh yeah. to finish up uh, to get that done by by May and so that's he's on track he's got two classes i think this this semester that he uh that's kind of weird st- yeah, we see him studying, you know, because as we walk out of the Kohl Center, you know, and it's dark, at by the time practice is over, sometimes he's back up in his office, um, you know, at, at his desk. You can see him from outside. He has tutoring sessions, you know, a couple times a week. And so that's... With his own players. <laughs> I mean, it might I mean, work out that way. Be in the same classes. I'm trying to... I don't remember offhand if he has had any of his players in the same classes as him because he's, you know, by the time you're at this point of of the, uh, uh, you know, your degree or whatever, you're probably in pretty you know, specialized classes or mm-hmm. anything. I, I, I actually sat in on a class with him in the first semester that uh, uh, for the story I was writing about it. And he uh, uh, it was it's. The first time this class had been offered, it was called, uh, I forget exactly what the title was, but it was about coaching and leadership in athletics. And it was just like this (laughs) really interesting uh, kind of connection of of here's a guy that's got 13, 14 years of of pro hockey coaching experience uh, in this this undergraduate and graduate level class, um, kind of sharing some of that experience with everyone else.
2: Well, there you go, Tim. You think he'd get a good grade in that one, don't you think? I I (laughs) hope he did all right.
0: Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, Okay, we got some more here. We got Tim Kotke. Um, I'm going to throw this one towards you, Hammy. He says, football and basketball recruits announce on Twitter that, uh, you know, what offers they receive. I'm guessing, you know, percentage, you know, I got a full ride, whatever. Will hockey end up doing the same? No. I don't think so either. It's definitely. I mean,
3: uh, first of all, they don't get. They always get full rides in basketball and football. It's not like college hockey, where you have to split them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Secondly, I mean, I I think the reality is is that football and basketball gets so much coverage on different, you know, college websites, whether it's rivals or whatever it might be, and they have people that are just dedicated to covering recruiting, going to these different um, events throughout the year, especially in basketball. And so they're constantly reporting on this player gets this offer, that player gets that Mm -hmm. offer, and players are very, I think that kind of feeds into them wanting to announce, oh, blessed to receive an offer from, you know, the University of Minnesota or Wisconsin or wherever, right? And um, you're not going to see that in hockey. I mean, hockey just doesn't have that kind of attention. I mean, right these days all you're going to see is a player announce when he actually commits versus, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about, oh, yeah, I've, you know, visited so-and-so school and got was blessed to get an offer this last weekend. You just don't see that in, in hockey. And um, I, I'm not going to say it's, it's not like even – it's just that's how it is in those sports. It's not a cultural thing. It's not anything – it's just hockey just doesn't get that kind of attention. They don't have people who are just constantly dedicated to – reporting on all these different kinds of things and digging for that kind of information. And so I will never, I don't think we'll ever see it like that.
0: And it's, you really can't dig that information up. Can you?
3: Well, I mean, I mean a lot of times you hear that based you hear on interviews Yeah, okay. the player wants to talk about it, but
0: I mean, you usually, you've kind of heard it from behind the scenes. So it's not stuff that's publicly known most of the time. At least I've never heard stuff publicly out there. So.
3: Right. And I think a lot of it, you know, really comes down to, um, you know, some of these offers that in hockey, at least that they get are very, you know, there's some, sometimes coaches put time constraints on, I mean, frankly, that was one of the things that Mike Eves was kind of famous for doing was kind of being a pressure type of a guy with a lot of players and, Hey, I give you this offer, but I need to know by a week from today or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure he wasn't doing that with the very elite types of players, but for a number of players, you know, that was not uncommon and so um sometimes you might hear yeah a kid gets an offer but if it's a you know got some kind of a time restriction on it he might not have it a week or two later so it, it just it's very fluid i think with hockey um football basketball like i said they have full rides yeah and you know those are tend to be just they're there you know what i mean and players have more time to make uh, decisions
0: Let's throw this one towards Jude Veegs. Tommy Martino wants to know, with Klus graduating, who gets the C next year? And even with the praise he gets, is uh, Klus
2: underappreciated? Well, first off, I think Klus is definitely underappreciated. I think if he's not playing on that line with Sheehy and Pitlick, it's not nearly as successful. You know, he does so much work at both ends of the ice and pushes those guys to be better. Um, he makes a, a huge impact on the game. For who's going to be captain next year, uh, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, you hear a lot about Ryan Lindgren being one of the big leaders on the on the roster, and he's only going to be a sophomore next year. Um, up front, you know, there's a lot of quiet guys among the returning forwards, um, so it'll be interesting. I know Liam Bristeth's a, a very vocal guy, um, but it's going to be up to the players to decide who they want to give the letters to. But I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if lingering gets one of them
3: clues is definitely underappreciated. He is one of my favorite gopher players from, you know, the Lucia era at least because he's been very effective. He's been a leader. He's a guy that could have left, you know, long before this, if he had wanted to, he could have left. And he was a kid coming into college hockey that had bigger offers to go to other schools. And, he took less to be a gopher because that's what he really dreamed of. That's what he really wanted to be. And I think that he, in his time at the U, has exemplified that by remaining loyal to the school, staying in co- in college when he could have left, being a leader, and he's been productive. And so, to me, he's one of my favorite gopher players in, in the recent era of gopher hockey.
0: No, he's definitely one of my favorite players, too. Just, you know, from his post-game interviews, you could just see his... You you see his passion for you know wearing the M, um, it, it's just a wonderful thing to see, and we haven't seen that very much with a lot of players in the recent years, especially when you've got somebody like a who gets excited as about a piece of toast does when he scores. So it's nice. Well, to see.
3: I, <laughs> Well, I think you know more than anything to me, he kind of exemplifies what we saw out of college hockey, you know twenty mm-hmm. twenty five thirty years ago where. I mean, nowadays you see all these players entering college hockey and it's like they're happy to be there. But you know that in many of them, their minds, they're thinking next level on some, you know, even before they even get to college. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that Justin Clues doesn't think about that either. But I think for him, he reminds me of a guy that, you know, it's a process for him. He's not in a rush. He knows that he's got things to develop and learn and he appreciates what you know he has at the college level and and when he's graduated and ready to move on you know i'm sure he'll be full bore to be as best of a pro player as he can be but he seems to be one of those guys that really appreciates what college hockey has to offer
2: i think one of the interesting things about clues i'm working on a story on him right now for minnesota hockey magazine is that after his sophomore year and before his junior year he passed up development camp opportunities because he knew how important it was for him to be a vocal leader in the off season for that program. Cause there was a lot of turnover with that team and he really took being a captain to heart.
0: He definitely did. Uh, we've got uh, one question I'll throw the swords, Todd and hammy um, from David Roberts. Are there any known recruits that the Gophers and Badgers are battling for right now? Hammy.
3: Uh, Well, I mean, I think uh, how much time do you have? I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, let's be honest. most of them. Well, especially locally here in the Twin Cities. I mean, of course, there's going to be a number of players from different age groups that they're going to be paying similar attention to. I mean, that's I mean, that's that way every year, even, you know, when Wisconsin was off. I mean, I remember seeing butters at like the model camp, you know what I mean? He'd be. Watching games at at Ritter in the middle of the summer. I mean, they're always looking at a lot of the same group of kids, especially in Minnesota. So um, I, I, it's kind of like you know, there's probably a shorter list of players that they're not both interested in versus you know <laughs> interested in. So I'm guessing you yeah. probably
1: think the same thing, huh, Todd. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I think you know, from the Wisconsin perspective, they've they've made a lot of trips out to BC and Western Canada lately. And I think they, they want to make sure they're getting that area um, as well as they can too. So, you know, they're, they're going to be in on, on the, the best out of Minnesota, I think, you know, as, 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 to the extent that they can. And, you know, obviously they, you know, they have some, some ties there. Marco Siki, obviously being from Burnsville and Don mm-hmm. Granado playing at Burnsville too. Um, I I would say that they're going to, you know, Wisconsin's over the summer and even into the season, you know, just grabbed as many guys as they could, it seemed like, uh, and got commitments from them. Uh, and, and they'll, you know, they'll try to do that wherever they can,
5: I think. Uh,
1: Hemi, who
2: ahead. who are kind of the big uncommitted players out there right now? Is, is Keegan Karki, the goalie with the development program, uh, Matt Gleason at Creighton Durham Hall are those some of the bigger names out there right now that we can be watching well
3: I mean you know the funny thing is is that if you look at uh, the Gophers recruiting I mean they've got quite a bit lined up already I mean we all know that they're recruiting them younger and younger these days Um, and so it seems like it's almost like you you backfill Um, with something with a couple late bloomers or some guys that you know but you're really kind of still filling out classes with those real young guys and um, that kind of have that blue chipper hype to them and um, we've talked many times whether that's the strategy to take or not or how often to take that strategy Um, and I think personally we think we've all agreed that we'd like to see them not quite go as young as they've been at times uh, and maybe have a little bit more of a blend but hey they're the coaches that get paid the big money to do that and so you know from a goalie perspective somebody asked that weeks ago you know is it you know when karki became available you know is that somebody more interested or whatever? and it's like well recruiting is all is not just about talent but it's about timing i mean the reality is is that every year you know you're not going to need a goalie recruit or you're not going to need as many recruits at a certain position and and if it happens to be a loaded year, especially in Minnesota, it's like people got to expect that you're not going to get every guy that maybe everybody would like to get. And it's not necessarily because you lost a recruit, quote-unquote. It's just the need isn't there and the scholarship room isn't there. So, um, so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of reasons behind a lot of these things. Definitely, guys, definitely.
0: A lot of great questions this week, gang. We appreciate it. Um, there's a few more, but they're kind of a little more generic for now, and we're starting to run low on time. We've had a busy show, guys. Um, Vigs, before uh, we move on, uh, what are we going to get for the audio extras this week?
2: Well, let's see. You'll hear the, the media mob um, <laughs> try to get uh, Rem Pitlick to talk about what he's adjusted to his game to have so much success. He gets asked about eight different ways to explain it <laughs> um, He eventually will talk about how he's not Deferring as much and uh, He's figuring out to be harder on pucks And uh, puck battles uh, You'll hear Justin Clues talk about uh, The team uh, being Confident uh, Tyler Sheehy talks about the team having a lot of Resilience Clues thinks it's more Confidence and, and he'll mm-hmm. talk about that And you also get some uh, Insights into who's the fastest gopher And who's got the best shot There's a little <laughs> back and forth with the players about that uh, and then you'll get Don Lucia talking about things the team needs to clean up. Uh, the defense has been pretty good with shots against, but just the turnovers are hurting them. Uh, and he'll talk a little about, about some of the different players. And remember,
0: well. you'll hear that at the end of the podcast. We always append uh, the, the, the audio that Vigo captures uh, every Wednesday at Media Day. So that's uh, expect to hear that at the end here. Todd, are you making the trip to Mariucci this weekend?
1: Yes, I'm nice. uh, driving up tomorrow ahead of the storm. Hopefully,
0: yeah. <laughs> get started now. Might take you a while.
1: Uh, the, exactly. Uh, yeah, we're uh, hopefully be rolling in before four o'clock or four o'clock ish. So, um, yeah, that uh, not uh, not looking the greatest for the weather there this weekend.
0: <laughs> Viggs, maybe we can convince them to go out for a beer after Saturday night's game.
2: Yeah, post <laughs> Saturday night. That's the way to do it. Uh, I'm driving Carolina after
1: Saturday night oh,
2: game. Oh, It's a short drive. You can have a beer or two. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, let's I'll, get him I'll, loaded I'll. and
0: go through. Well, he won't get picked up in Wisconsin. <laughs> 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 well, Todd, we really appreciate you having you on. We appreciate yeah. you coming on, at least I should say. Um, yeah, first time guest, and I'm thinking uh, we might come back that's to you great. often when the, when the Gophers and Badgers are playing just so we can get that perspective. Otherwise, it's just going to be all anti-Badger here. Which is what we should be doing, so
1: well, you know i, I I'm happy well, I guess I'm, I don't know if I'm happy or <laughs> yeah. i I appreciate the opportunity to break that up slightly anyway. Well,
0: we definitely appreciate you coming on and thanks Vigo for getting him lined up for us. No problem. <laughs> Vigo's already yeah. thinking about his post podcast beer, so
2: <laughs> what's lined up today? You
0: know, I, well, I've got a little prairie
2: bomb beer it's <laughs> on cocoa nibs. It should be delicious.
0: Oh, you're such a beer snob, aren't you? I am. Well, remember, you can always listen to, you know, or uh, follow Vigo on Twitter at EVGO and Hammy at HammyHockey. Um, you can follow Todd at Todd Molesky on Twitter if you can remember how to spell it, because there's no way I'm going to do it right now without it in front of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he's easy to follow as well. Um, you know, we appreciate Todd coming on. You know, we've got a uh, big series this weekend against the Badgers. We're going to have to see how it turns out because uh, it could be do or die for the Badgers. It could be the end. We're hoping so. (laughs) But we'll be back next week to recap uh, that series and preview this series with Michigan. Thanks for listening.
6: about this team's ability to rally this year. Do you think that this team has a particularly good sense of that?
5: Well, they better. They've been behind enough, especially to start games. Uh, I, I think when you have the ability to score some goals, I think that's the big thing. You look at our team, five different guys have had a hat trick. Um, you know, what, seven now guys with ten goals or more. Uh, so when you have the ability to score, you do have the ability to come back. I mean, we've all been on teams or co- uh, part of teams where – you, know, you get down by a couple goals, it's just it's so hard to score that you just don't have a sense or a feel that you have the ability to come back. But if you can score, uh, our power play is pretty good that, you know, has allowed us to, you know, uh, you win some games. So uh, I think that's a real key that you do have that ability to, to put the puck in the net.
2: That were you as a coach,
5: though, that those guys have that in their back pocket that they can score goals. No, I mean they, they want to. Ex- yeah, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's it. I mean, our, you look at our you know shots against is pretty good. I mean, there's areas of our game we have to get better. And, and obviously, Eric's been better the second half and the first half of the year. Um, and that's going to be critical as we get down to the end of the year. And you know, he did a good job Saturday night. He gave up two during the course of the game. And you know, the, the penalty shot, you know, was one that it was a leading He made a nice play. Yeah, so the, can't fault him in that. Uh, but we all know that I mean, we can't expect to win games, you know, five four. You not know, come the end of the year, I mean, you got to win three to two and two to one, and you got to be able to shut uh, shut people down, and you know, that's what we try to get across to our guys how important that element is. I suppose you can't count on winning a lot of games too, where you get the goal with seconds to go. No, that's I mean to... that's yeah, I mean that that uh, that's one of those things that's going to happen, you know, once every number of years. Um, You know, things have to go your way. I mean, to our kids' credit, they couldn't have done any better. You know, even Vinny had a heck of a screen on the goaltender that, you know, it goes unnoticed by the average person until you're reviewing the video. Uh, So they all did a nice job with that. But um, I give our guys credit for the, you know, keep believing, you know, to come back with two and a half minutes to to get to tie and then to give it up, which was a gut punch, and then to be able to say, you know what, we're not finished yet, and uh, to tie it and win it in overtime. It It was a big win for us.
2: You had the dry erase board for that last play. Was that just how you drew it up?
5: Well, I mean, we had some options there. Um, you know, we, we did draw it up where Clues coming off the wall to obviously help out and he's on his strong side. If he gets can gather a puck, he can shoot. Uh, we did talk about Vinny getting the net for a screen, Tyler helping out, but we also had, you know, Liam on the backside for a one-timer um, as a lefty too. So we, we did have a couple options, but you don't have much time. I mean, with seven seconds, that puck's got to be delivered the net within two or three seconds.
6: How important is it for your guys to, to know that they have that capacity to rally as we get into these more meaningful games? Well, I think
5: it's important that uh, you do know that, you know, if you fall behind by a couple goals halfway through the game, that, that it's not over, that you still have the sense that you can come back. But, you know, at that when you do fall behind like that, well, you, you better – buckle down defensively and not give up another one to, to, to uh, now you can't keep trading goals I mean at some point you, you know you chip two one you know two two or you make it two one and three one three two so you, you feel like you' you're, you're making some headway uh, but sometimes one goal just gives you life I mean your whole bench some life and, and, and that's critical too. that kind of happened with
1: the vinnie goal the other day in yeah. Penn State. Down two nothing, he gets a goal, and all of a sudden, a yeah, reinvigorated.
5: Team. Yeah, there's no question that uh, you know when you get that. I mean, the Saturday game, Bish scored the goal uh, off that rush, but I mean that it just seemed like we were going the path. Not much was going on, um, but you needed that one goal to kind of ignite you, and then there's a little bit more jump in, in the guy's step. So, you know, we, we've uh, you know, it's been above. You go through a season; it's not only a physical roller coaster, it's an emotional roller coaster too. And obviously the guys were pretty excited on Saturday night, but you know now you got to put that behind you, and that's in the rearview mirror. And it's all about preparation for this week, and doing everything we can to be in the best position mentally and physically uh, when the puck drops Friday night.
6: Pitlick's been very good lately and particularly good over the weekend. Has there been a point recently where you saw a light bulb go
5: on for him? No, I don't think there's anything recent. I mean, he, he had some good opportunities, and he's got such a good shot. The one thing, we, we'd we like him to be a little bit more selfish more at time because he's still, you know, looking to pass more than shoot, uh, but he's, he's got a tremendous shot, and uh, I think for him, you know, he had a transition to college, which a lot of guys do, and I think he's getting more and more confident, and uh, that line's been a real good line for us since we put him together uh, before Christmas time. And that's, with all the monkeying around we've done, that's the one thing we haven't. We've uh, tried to keep that unit together.
2: What does Justin do as a center that makes those other two so successful at
5: win? It's energy. Um, he plays so hard that he forces other people to play hard around him. Um, he plays with such pace that uh, you know, he. If you're not getting up and down the rink, you're going to be 20, 30 feet behind them. And I think that comfort level that he's really good defensively, that he's going to come back and do his job in our own zone too. And, you know, physically he's strong enough uh, that he can get into people and shut them down.
7: That entire line, what example do they set for the rest of the team? I mean, they scored two game-tying goals on Saturday and eventually the game went in overtime.
5: Well, I, I think it goes with any team. I mean, your I mean, your you're top-end guys, your best players have to produce in, in big moments, and they've been able to do that just like – You know, it seems like a different guy. It could be Vinny or it could be Leon or, you know, Junior Gates has scored some big goals. So the the way our team's set up right now, I mean, the goal scorers have to score. You know, the guys that don't score a lot need to, you know, kill penalties. They need to chip in a goal here or there, block a shot, um, you know, have some offensive zone time and and do their job too. Uh, So I think that's the makeup of a good team. And we're not looking at every guy to have to score. But, I mean, the guys that you expect to score, they need to come through if you're going to win games
8: practice has kind of evolved throughout the second half is the, the
5: second half buy came ridiculously early in the season yeah I mean uh, it's the first time I think in years that we haven't had a bye, uh during the second half of the year other than that very first weekend so we have tried to really shorten our practice we did give our guys a couple Tuesdays off um, uh, and uh, you know next week there's probably a good candidate Monday we just let them play shinny hockey uh, as something different um, is just to try to get them, you know, to get their legs back because, you know, the, we didn't get home till, you know, by the time they were in bed, it was probably 3 o'clock in the morning or 4 or whatever it is by the time you can fall asleep. And, and so we're trying to monitor that. You know, they've got schoolwork to deal with and study hours, and they have a lot on their plate. So we're doing everything we can to monitor them, you know, physically, and that's part of Cal's job, and he does a good job with that. And um, cause I think the nice thing, the second half, I haven't seen dead legs yet. And uh, we've all been around sports where, you know, as much as the guys want to do it, they just they don't have any legs. And uh, we haven't experienced that this year. Be a
8: little surprised to kind of see that, especially after this past weekend, where those eleven forwards for fifty plus minutes
5: both nights. Well, sometimes that can be good because you can get into the game, you get into the rhythm. You don't have you're not sitting there for long periods of time. I and mean, then you can get into games where if there's a lot of whistles or you know the stoppages, where if you're rolling four lines, you're not out there for a while. Uh, but I think this especially when we got in probably the last 25 minutes of the game. You know, our, our top two lines played every third shift. There's no question. They got a lot of minutes. But they're in good yes. shape. I mean, that's the, they train 50 weeks a year for a reason.
8: Mike Smatillo, you said, was a day-to-day mm-hmm. after Saturday's game. Still, uh, yeah, on still yeah,
5: still day-to-day. I mean, he's a question mark right now. We don't know if he'll play or not play. Um, he's skated somewhat to part, part of practice today, and we'll see where he's at tomorrow. Everybody else good to go? Yep, everybody else is good to go. Well, Wisconsin a little bit. They seem to be kind of resurging. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could see it at the end of last year. Uh, you know, Coonan's a really good player, and they added another first-round pick in Frederick. Uh, the young guys have played, including the freshman goaltender. They're a year older. Uh, so both our goaltenders are playing well. They're, they're splitting them on Friday, Saturday night. I think that's a big thing. If you look at their numbers, a lot like Eric, their second half numbers are much better than their first half numbers. Uh, very good on the power play and penalty kill, uh, and and they can score goals. I think you look at their team that they, they've got a real good group of forwards, um, and I think they they won a lot of games by being able to get to four and five a night.
6: Given the rivalry and what's at stake, how emotional would you anticipate this series? Well, I
5: think that you know we'll have good crowds. Uh, interesting, let the snow, what happens on Friday? And um, but. Uh, I think you know it's one of those series that the the fans look forward to, and and uh, so it sounds like pretty much sold out for the the games on Friday, Saturday. So the atmosphere is going to be there, and now you you want to have that emotional component involved too when when the puck drops. So the guys will be excited to play. We put ourselves in a good position. So long ways to go. Uh, one more weekend in, in February, and then, you know, then you flip the page of the most important month of the season. So. Uh, we just want to, just like we went to Penn State, you know, we want to make sure we're ahead of Penn State at the end of the weekend. We want to make sure, you know, Wisconsin, we're ahead of Wisconsin at the end of this weekend too. All right.
6: Thank, Thank you. We've you. seen this team rally now from deficits, including some very late ones quite a bit recently. How does a team develop the ability to do that?
7: Uh, just developing confidence. Uh, you never feel like you're out of game. Uh, uh, through success at other points of the season, and I think that's what we've developed. I mean, obviously, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you got to come back from a, for a couple, from a couple goals in the third period, or even the first period, and. Uh, so we're going to have to really focus on coming out a little better and not getting behind, but we do have, you know, a little bit of a confidence and swagger to be able to come back from those uh, uh, slow starts or a uh, couple goal deficits. Can
6: you describe for us what it was like at the Penn State game after they scored the penalty shot, and what was the chatter on the bench about what would happen next? And
7: uh, Honestly, I don't think there's a ton of, you know, uh, Frustration or disappointment with, you know, the call of the penalty shot or, um, you know, what happened on that play. Uh, it was more of, uh, you know, we just got to find a way to get that next one. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I think there was a minute 20 left or something, so we knew we had you know, a little bit of time to get some pucks on that and see what happens. And then, obviously, seven seconds left for the off. You're really not sure what's going to happen. But... Um, we ran a good play and things worked out and uh, next thing you know we score with three seconds left and i uh, feeling great about myself another, just another uh, uh, example of uh, you know building a little bit of confidence things go right You were just talking about swagger how about
5: individual swagger? Do you score a goal like that?
7: Uh, yeah it uh, feels good. It was all around good play by everyone uh, Tyler had a good bump off the line Cammie did a great job on the draw and Vinny set a good screen so you don't uh, you know, score that goal without uh, everyone else doing their job Kimmy had only taken two draws before that you, you have confidence of him, him cami yeah. yeah yeah great faceoff guy um, I know uh, a goal last year against Ohio State in overtime cami took the draw she came off the wall and uh, hit a screen and then I was able to get the rebound in so uh, he seems to be clutching those situations but uh, I've put I've been around him for four or five years now so I know what he can do in the face-off circle so uh, we had no problem with him taking the draw Has-
6: Has it become a point of pride for this team to become known as a team that doesn't just fall apart when you're down by a couple?
7: Yeah, uh, big time, uh, especially uh, uh, I think we took a bit tough loss to Ohio State where it ended up like 8-3 or something. That was uh, really disappointing, making sure we don't uh, put ourselves in that situation, uh, which uh, a couple weeks ago in Ohio State we were down 3-0 in the middle of the second and easily could have went that way. Uh, but uh, we battled back, found a way to win, win that game, and uh, I think that's uh, been a uh, big focus for us—not to give up at any point. What's it like on the bench when you get that role and you're down by two or three goals? It's great, ton of enthusiasm from everyone. Um, everyone feels the, you know, confidence going throughout the lineup, uh, and we just come in waves at times. Uh, it doesn't matter what line's out there; we feel confident that that line can score and put ourselves, in, put our team in a good spot to come back.
8: Wisconsin did a really good job of keeping you guys on your toes last uh, last month. When you were at the Kohl Center, uh,
7: just watching the film, and a month later now, what does what does Wisconsin do really well this year? Uh, good offensively, very good. They got a lot of high end talent on uh, uh, in their forwards. Um, we got to make sure we play smart against them. If we decide that we're going to try to make plays in the wrong areas by the blue lines and stuff, they're gonna they can capitalize on odd man rushes. So we got to play really smart and limit their uh, chances. I think. Uh, you know, we, we're a team that can do the horse race thing. You know, win five four or six five or something like that. But uh, against the Wisconsin, I think we prefer the game to be a little bit low, lower scoring. Which I know that didn't happen when we were out at the Kohl Center. But I think that's a little more of a focus this time around. How important was a uh, Shihi's tying goal on Saturday? And what what was it like playing? I mean, the line was really successful on Saturday. What was it just like playing on that line? Uh, yeah, it was huge. Uh, obviously, Ty's been great all year. Uh, made made a huge play when we needed it to happen, and then. Uh, unfortunately, we gave up that third one, but, uh, you know, we stuck with it and I think he got one of the assists on the OT goal. So, yeah, Ty made a great play. Uh, uh, actually, Rem and Ty both made great plays on that goal, and then uh, uh, our line clicked at the right time.
1: Just three games in Aurora, you played basically with 11 forwards.
7: Is that helping the team uh, deal with a little adversity in-game? Yeah, little adversity, nothing's wrong with that. Uh, you know, I think we've handled it well. Uh, you get a little fatigued as far as you know. When we were down two goals, I think uh, uh, we were pretty much playing three lines. So you start feeling a little bit and shift, and you know maybe you can only go thirty seconds at uh, at a time. So just uh, communicating well with our teammates and making sure we're on the same program when uh, you know we're missing a, or when we're we go a d- guy down early in the game is a huge emphasis for us.
6: He has been using the word resilient a lot. So what's the biggest factor to make you guys such a resilient team?
7: Um. I'm probably going to have to go with the word I've been using, a lot of confidence. Uh, You know, we feel good about who we are and what we've been doing. And uh, uh, having that, I guess, confidence, knowing that we can come back from certain situations, make us a really resilient bunch, uh, I think, uh, every weekend.
6: Rem Pitlick has been very good recently and terrific over the weekend. What kind of growth have you seen in his game over the past couple of months?
7: Huge growth. Uh, I can't remember when it was. It might have been a month and a half ago. I think I was standing right here and I said, you know, things are going to start clicking for him. Just things, you know, you get a little snake bit. Uh, college hockey season's not that long. You get snake bit for 10, 15 games and you're like, wow, this you know, season's flying by quick. But uh, he's clicking now. Um, uh, if he keeps rolling, he's going to be a, a big-time weapon for us, but uh, overall, his maturity and uh, you know just focus game-to-game game and uh, consistency has really improved, uh, as you'd hope a freshman would in their second half of the season. Can you describe his shot and his shooting accuracy? What, what's special about the way he shoots? Yeah, his release is the main thing. Uh, Quick release, but it comes off like he's winding up for you know a slap shot or a hard wrist shot, and he's just got a quick little snap. And uh, you guys saw it in Penn State with his couple of rush goals, where you know it didn't take him long. He just fired and uh, beat the goalie clean. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be one of his biggest weapons for the rest of his hockey career for sure. And uh, it's all, uh, obviously fun to play with a guy who can shoot like that. Has he got the most accurate shot on the team? Ah, most accurate shot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can give that to Rem, a freshman. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, somebody else. Yeah, he's got a pretty good shot. Uh, Leon, Vinny, um, probably a little dark horse. Bischoff has actually a really, really accurate shot. Scores a ton of goals in um, practice, and he's starting to pump them in right now. Who's the fastest? Fastest guy on our team. Can't give it to Rem. I want to. <laughs> okay. uh, fastest you? guy. You can pick nah, yourself. I uh, probably <laughs> probably v- Vinny. Uh, he can fly both on and off the ice. He's just a good athlete. He can skate really well. <laughs>
5: He's just, he doesn't even know where to look. <laughs> yeah, where am I looking? What's uh, key for the Gophers to win this weekend against Wisconsin?
9: I think we just got to play our game. We're a strong, fast, skilled team, and I think it doesn't really matter who our opponent is. That's uh, kind of our mentality, I think that's what we need to do.
8: How has the uh, last... Uh, sp- a the last two series kind of just helped your uh, resilience and just having that confidence.
9: Yeah, I think the last two series have definitely helped that. Our team never quits, and I think that's a really good MO to have. Uh, we really keep going until the end, and so that's really good for our team. Uh,
2: your individual, you, so, go ahead. Has it helped you guys? Uh, if, what's been the positive in the last three games of having to go with only 11 forwards?
9: Uh, the pot, Well, I mean, I guess this I wouldn't look at it as like a positive. I mean, it's never good to have a forward out, but I think it's just it shows that we can battle through adversity, and we've done a really good job at that and just kind of juggling lines and just you know, going for it. So that's been really good for our team to be able to you know, do whatever and get some results. Is it
1: hard to do during the
9: game? Yeah, it's not always the easiest. We have our line combinations during the week, and we're used to playing with certain guys that have chemistry. Uh, it's never easy to you know, just play with someone else, but you've got to do it as part of the game.
6: Your individual production has really picked up over the last few weeks. Has something changed for you with your game?
9: No, I don't think anything's really changed. I'm just uh, getting a little bit more comfortable with college hockey, and I think our line's been really clicking, so hopefully we can continue that.
6: What would you say the biggest adjustment has been for you during your freshman year?
9: I think I just need to shoot the puck more. I think coming into college and playing with Justin Kluis and Tyler Sheehy, they are really good players, and I think I was just deferring a little bit, giving the puck to them instead of shooting it myself. Adjusting to the college game,
0: how
5: long has that taken? I mean... Where are you now compared to, you know, let's say early November?
9: Yeah, I think I've come a long way. Obviously, there's an adjustment period. You just kind of, kind of, kind of get used to the whole college life, playing against older, bigger, stronger players. And I think I'm adjusting to that.
1: Knowing how big this rivalry is, uh, do, does it give you confidence coming off such
7: strong play over the last weekend?
9: Yeah, I think we're a good team and we know that, so we're ready for anyone, and we're excited to see what happens this weekend.
7: Tyler is such a strong scorer. What has he really helped in your scoring ability so far in this transition to college hockey?
9: Uh, I just try to watch him in practice, the way he shoots the puck and kind of the seams that he tends to shoot for. I think it's someone uh, that's really that I really look at and try to you know model my game after a little bit and watch it, what he does during practice.
0: Asked Justin who had the most accurate shot, and if it was yours, and he sort of
2: said that if you weren't a freshman, maybe he'd give it to you. Is he dissing you?
9: Is he dissing me? I don't know. I'm not going to say much about Cluser. He, uh, whatever he says goes. Uh,
1: so then, who does have the most accurate shot? Do you
9: think? Uh, I think Tyler Sheehy. He has a great shot, and I'm jealous of it.
6: <laughs> Rima, are there things about your game that have changed since you first started here, or things about you physically? Are you stronger, faster?
9: I think I just I do a video with the coaches every week, and they're always pointing out different little things that I can improve in my game. I think, especially uh, just kind of being harder on pucks, that's something that I have really improved at, and then continuing to working on, continue to work on. Um, I think it's just part of the game. You really got to be hard on pucks to get it back and get scoring chances.
5: What does it mean to, to have the confidence of the coaches and the freshman?
9: Yeah, I think it's awesome to have, uh, com- or for the coaches to have confidence in me. Uh, it's not always an easy thing to do to come in here and play big minutes, and I think I've been fortunate to uh, get out there a little bit more than maybe I would have expected coming into the year.
6: We've talked with some of the other players about the resilience and the ability to rally with the te- this team. What is it like on the bench among the players when you guys are down by a goal or two? What, uh, what do people talk about? What's the, the emotion like?
9: Uh, To be honest, I don't think we really talk a lot. We've had some games this year where we have come back, and I think it's just kind of a a quiet confidence that we all have. When we get in a situation, that's maybe not the most ideal. I think we all know that we are probably going to pull through, and I think uh, last weekend was a really good example of that.
6: You said you're jealous of Sheehy's shot, so it must be kind of tempting to pass to him sometimes. But, like, what makes you decide to actually shoot it and be more selfish?
9: Uh, well, I'm think some. Well, i confident in my shot as well. <laughs> I think if there's an open spot uh, and I know I can score, I'll shoot it. But, obviously, like I said, Tyler's a great shooter, and it's never a bad idea to give him the puck. Did
1: you have to think much before you pulled the trigger
9: on that overtime goal? No. I, I kind of saw everyone crashing on me, so I thought, just get the puck to the net, and luckily it went in.
6: Just gonna throw it, see what happens.
8: Yeah. <laughs> All good.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tyler, this team has developed such a knack recently for for always being able to come back, rallying yeah. late, rallying under many different circumstances. What has allowed you guys to do that, and do you feel uh, that that it's uh, a, a stronger sense that, than we've seen in the past with this team being able to do that?
4: Yeah, I think right now it's just our mindset and our you know our resiliency to win. You it's know, kind of something I touched on last week was how resilient we are. And, you know, as a group, we have great leaders and guys that are following them, you know, really well. So, um, you know, right now we're just, uh, our mindset's incredible with, uh, with uh, you know, our will to win. And, you know, we're obviously not satisfied either. So every game we want to get better and better. But, uh, yeah, if we're down by a couple, we're not going to put our heads down. We're going to just keep fighting back.
6: Does it take a particular... Chemistry or set of personalities on a team to, to give a team that kind of spirit?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think it starts with the leaders, and um, you know, obviously, uh, you got to have the right group of guys. So, um, you know, there's going to be times in a game where um, you're down by a couple, but you know, we don't have the guys that are going to put their heads down and fold. Where you have the guys that are going to fight back and you know, try and win the game. As resilient as the group is, I mean, how crazy was that on Saturday night? I mean, was, yeah, that was nuts. I think it was. Um, you know, since being here, it might have been. Um, you know the coolest comeback that we've had so uh it was a really fun win for us
2: what does Justin do as a center that makes your line so effective
4: uh well he just plays with a ton of speed and um in the defensive zone he's really responsible I think um anytime me or Rem is or caught down low uh he can call us off and um you know he's always in the right spot and um so defensively he's, he's a great great player and um like I said before he's, his speed is incredible and um He can make a ton of plays, so uh, playing with him it it makes the game a lot easier and makes the game faster. So uh, he's obviously a great player and a great leader. Do you guys think if you had foot races
2: out there, he'd win?
4: Uh, I'm not sure. I think Rams got a lot. I think I'm the slowest guy in the line. So (laughs) uh, Rams got a ton of speed as well. And um, but when when Justin gets going, I don't know if too many guys are going to catch him.
6: Such a great weekend for Rim. Have you seen over the past few weeks is anything different about him? Has he has he gotten to that point where you feel like he's maybe turned a corner or, or take, gotten more confidence?
4: Yeah, I think it might be a confidence thing. Where um, you know, I think in, in practice we have kind of been telling him to shoot the puck. He's got a great shot, and sometimes he might look a little too much to pass. But um, and that's just kind of the way he plays. He's a playmaker, and um, you just got to com- remind him every once in a while to shoot it. And uh, when he does, it's, it's going to end up in the back of net a lot. So. That's kind of been uh, showing up for him lately,
2: are you guys getting better about communicating on the ice and, and talking while you 're on the ice together?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think when any time you get to play with uh, two other guys for most of the year, you start to develop that chemistry and um, right now we 've played together for for quite a long time, so um, we 're starting to understand where we 're going to be out there on the ice and you know kind of talking when we get off the ice and things like that. but uh, right now it 's really kind of clicking for us.
8: What challenges were there last weekend with playing um, what was the entirety of most games going forwards?
4: forwards? Um, it was a little bit tough. I think, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you really have to listen to coaches on the bench just so you don't get a too many men penalty or things like that. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's one of those things where you just got to be, you know, next guy's got to step up. And um, we were able to do that where, you know, mix and match matching lines a little bit and uh, next guy or the next guy was able to you know, do the, the guy's job, so it was good. You work all
8: uh, off season and throughout the season to uh, maintain and, and perform. Is that kind of just an example of it? Yeah,
4: exactly. I think, you know, we've been working hard the entire year, and, um, you know, this team has a lot of depth, so when one when, when guy goes down, you know, the other guy's got to step up, like I was saying, so we were able to do that. Do you get a sense
0: from other teams that this goal for team is a really hard team to defend
4: against? Uh, I think so. I think, you know, we're able to put up, you know, three point, whatever, three point, whatever uh, goals of games. And, being able to put a lot of shots on goal as well and um, you know it's not just a stat line that that um, I think other teams are going to be saying that about but it's our speed and you know our ability to make plays and um, things like that so um, right now it's really kind of going well for us offensively Uh, hopefully we can keep that going.
6: With Wisconsin being resurgent this season and this, this series being very meaningful, will there be more emotion invested than perhaps there has been the last couple of years with the Wisconsin series?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, anytime you get to play Wisconsin, there's going to be a little bit of a battle, and um, you're going to have to take a punch and give a punch. So, um, But yeah, it's a huge weekend for us. It's, you know, six big points on the line, and, um, you know, it could um, ultimately decide the conference, so... Uh, it's gonna be two really tough games and we know that they're gonna come out and play tough against us, so we gotta be ready to go Friday night. You guys scored most of your goals off the rush last weekend. What's
2: it gonna to take to have success in zone against Wisconsin?
4: Uh, I think just play um, behind their defensemen. Uh, playing playing low and kind of making them guys turn. They have some some bigger guys and things like that and um, you know, with a with a big sheet, we know that Wisconsin plays on that at the call center, so um, it's not gonna to be too much different for them but uh, if we put it behind their defensemen, get pucks in that, uh, I think we'll be all right.
8: How important is it for the top
6: forwards to also contribute defensively?
4: Uh, it's huge. I think you got to be responsible both both ends of the ice. Um, you know, when you got your your uh, top forwards, uh, you know, playing well defensively, I think other guys feed off that. So um, it's it's really
5: big. Thank you. Thanks, Claude. Thanks, sir.